<laughs> All right. Night Hut, Alpha Kongs. I reckon let's start off with some introductions about yourselves because this is the first time that some of uh, you know, our audience has met you or heard of you. All right. All right. Um, th- thanks, everybody. Nice. And thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, surgeons, for having us here. I'm really excited to be here. My name's uh, Nightheart. Um, we're fully dogs, actually. So, so in real life, I'm Nathaniel. Um, before before Avium, I used to be a lawyer. Uh, exciting profession indeed. Uh, I was I was a lawyer doing private equity and many venture capital startup investing. Mm. Uh, got caught by the tech bug. You know, jumped into crypto. Did a whole ICO wave. Had a couple of ICOs throughout the world. You know, structuring for them. Nice. You know. Yeah, and, and I saw Web3 kind of like the inevitable trend towards Web3 uh, and then jumped out at the brink of an economic you know, crisis, decided that, yeah, let's forgo that stable job, man. Who needs that? You know, Jump straight into the wild, wild west. <laughs> uh, that's me. Hey, shout out to you for jumping in, Bulls Deep. Myself and Estine recently made the decision to dive in this one. <laughs> Oh, good, good luck, good luck. Yeah, my fingers are crossed, man. But honestly, uh, like the kind of work that we're performing here, it doesn't feel like work, which is probably why I have uh, foregone my entire social life because this is also my social life at this rate. <laughs> no, but I fucking love it here, man. And I see that you're loving it. Uh, it's a really enjoyable space to spend time in. Uh, Alpha Kongs. Hey, thank you for having us here today. Um, <clears throat> my name is um, Ivan, um, aka Alpha Kongs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to be from the esports and creator industry. So, was building the last six years before Avium um, Evos. Um, I think it's one of the largest uh, esports organization in Southeast Asia. Um, built a fan base of over 15 million and managed you know, thousands of pro players and creators within the gaming space itself. So I kind of left that and right now working full-time on building Avium, probably one of my, one of my more ambitious um, opportunities that we have ever tackled, but mm. super excited to kind of build Avium during this bear market and establish our foundation. Thank you so much for having us here. No, no, thank you so much for giving us your time. Like, we, we really appreciate that you giving us your time. We know you're really busy, full pack schedule, and we're going to make sure that this is an amazing space and keep people engaged. Um, by the way, everyone, when this space is finished, we'll also get it uploaded on Spotify so you can rewatch it and re-listen and uh, digest all the information. Throughout the space, if you ever have questions, you can pop it down in that thread too. There's that um, tweet that I pinned to the top. You can comment there. We can read through the questions or come up um, and ask questions. We probably won't let people up until maybe like midway and then at the end, uh, just so we can have a smooth dialogue. But uh, let's do this. Nightheart, Alpha Kongs. Let's start off, and I want to really dive into this with you, and we can ask follow-up questions on the problem space because I know you guys are tackling a very uh, relevant problem space that people are familiar with, knowing that Web3 is all about attention. Yeah, I think uh, where so so we say the Avium. I mean, as a broader kind of stroke, right? We are building the the attention economy, mm. and we're building an ecosystem, right? So we've we've seen certain problems with the attention economy, and and if you talk about the attention economy, that's you know how 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 basically you, you're gathering 
people's attention and currently to monetize that you kind of sell ads right sponsored post you know you interrupt their attention by pushing a product hey buy this ice cream hey buy this pair of pair of sneakers or something like that right and, and we've seen that evolution in the last 20 years you know you've seen you've seen attention moving from mass attention you know in the past when the internet just came out you would have a blog post you know you could have blog pays that Google ad AdSense and you'll be making money, right? That was mass attention. Yeah. And, and, and the focus then was reach. As long as you're at the internet, you reach, you know, yeah, you'll be pretty okay. And then move to social media platforms, what we call profiled and targeted attention. And, yeah. and you know, because of a profile, you know, you, you, they would know that, hey, you know, this is a what, 30-year-old guy, he drives a car, he likes music, and, and therefore the ads you get would be targeted or profiled. Yep. And, and in that era, that was they were, they were looking at reactions. So it was reach, react, and mass attention to profile attention. But if you look at the last two years, I think generally the problems have started to arise. People are realizing that you know, they are the product. Mm. You, know, you, you are being monetized for the attention you give. Mm. And, and the whole privacy push, you know, there's all this whole push about privacy, not giving information has caused kind of advertising revenue or to drop. And in the last, what you've seen the results, right? Both Meta and Google, they've got their, their advertising revenues dropped. Mm. I think we, the, the market's hungry for a new type of attention. We've seen, um, and, and this is on both sides, right? As a consumer, you're giving all your attention to these big kind of centralized platforms and you get nothing in return. At the same time, you have people creating great content, great music, great art, great, great stories. But, you know, the, and, and despite having the fan base and capturing their attention, they can't monetize that. You know, it's still being, that economic process is still fragmented, right? So I think these are the problems we see. I think Web3 has an interesting evolution because from reach to react, we're finally coming to a space in time where you talk about relate. And, and you talk about communities and people in Web3 are really people that can relate to the product, fans that want to support that creation process, you know, where you have products which are generating assets and you are capturing their, their attention. And at the same time, rewarding the people who lend that attention to you as you build a product. I think the beauty of Web3 is that I think that's the kind of where we see things going. But I think as a starting point in the attention economy, in terms of monetization, the fragmentation of, of the economics, uh, pain points we are sensitive to and look at. Yeah, I know Joni is going to say something. Whenever well, yeah, he has his dude. microphone unmuted like that, he's like buzzing. He's probably well, itching right now. Off the top, I'm going to be unmuted for most of this because this is such a beautiful discussion that I'm so passionate about. It's your bread and butter, man. Yeah, no, look, this just makes sense from an ideological and also practical standpoint. It's if we're going to create this value from essentially being the product, people want to have a community to advertise to sell products, basic principle of capitalism. We all understand that. We've all experienced it wherever we're from, whatever our background. Well, doesn't it just logically make sense that the people that are part of the advertising get to share in the upside from it? Why should that value be all extractive from social media monopolies or other uh, parties when realistically, we're, we're the eyeballs that's creating this value. Why can't we share part of that revenue stream? Like Facebook, for example, makes thousands of dollars a year off our advertise, rev, advertising revenue off us. Why can't we earn part of that and have some benefit? And 
to me, that seems like such a ripe, fruitful area where Web3 is just itching to get involved. Like, it's just so natural. And I'm sorry I'm getting worked up, but it just it just makes so much sense, right, for all everyone involved. No, that's, a, that's a 100%, right? And, and I think, you know, we've seen solutions kind of bubble at the top, you know. I'm sure you, you, you've seen those apps, right, where they say, okay, you know, if you want to click, you, you can share your information from the phone and you get, what, like one cent? or like two cents every time you share and open the app, right? I think people have tried that business model, but it's not working, right? It doesn't work. It, it's, too, it's still too centralized, still too fragmented for it to work. But if you look at, if you look at what Web3 stands for, and we, we talk about and, and you guys open the space of saying, hey, bring the attention here. And I think our thesis is that, look at NFTs, right? NFTs which command that attention, that social valuation, is really what, how it translates directly to a monetary financial kind of sense. And, and the people who benefit are the people who are participating in the economy. You know, you yourself as the NFT holder who has given your attention to that, pro- to that project to, to build and you know, go, go do what they want to do will benefit if they continue to, to do well because you hold an NFT there already. Yeah, and, and I'll add on to that. So I think if you look at the attention economy, every tech revolution Web 1, Web 2, Web 3, there's always an advertising network that has to be built before any mass adoption can happen. So for example, in Web 1, advertising network was based on banner ads, you know, <clears throat> and uh, email marketing, right? <clears throat> Sorry. No, no issues, man. Soju, man. Too much soju. <laughs> The point's so profound, it's getting caught in your throat because there's just so much truth to it. Get it out, my man. <laughs> That's facts. Yeah, sorry about that. Choking on my excitement. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, Web 1, you had banner ads, you had email marketing. Web 2, before we saw this explosion in startups, we had Facebook advertisements, we had AdSense, we had Google Ads. And now when we look at Web3 and we ask ourselves, you know, going from a centralized ad network to a decentralized ad network, what does this advertising network or attention network in Web3 look like? And I think that's kind of what we are um, solving for, right? Because in a decentralized world, an advertising or an attention network essentially is one that attracts attention of the masses. And I think it's kind of good to kind of drill down on what the attention economy is, right? So the way we kind of piece it together, when we look at the attention economy, we see it as three constituents, right? The first one essentially is attention-generating assets. So assets that generate attention and brings people together. And that comes in the form of IP, content. It could be esports, you know, all that stuff. And that's also a function of things that generates social value, right? And the second thing that we kind of look at is attention aggregators, right? So what are assets that aggregate attention? How, what do you need to build in order to aggregate attention? And once you have that, the third constituent is basically attention captures, which is, you know, things like decentralized streaming, decentralized Netflix, and so on and so forth. So I think for us at Avium, as we kind of build this roadmap of building an attention economy, 
that strategy of defining the path of next resistance incredibly important. I think I can kind of ramble on too much after no, talking on that one. You haven't rambled on too much at all. The way you delineated and separated those different streams is very profound. And I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about it so explicitly. Um, if I was just to take a step back and then we'll dig into the specifics of what you just said, what are the, uh, and the reason why I think this is relevant, I'll preface it with saying, I think there's been so much wrong in terms of how web two companies have competed in the attention economy and how they've sort of extracted all the value, right. And hasn't really been to our benefit. What are the values that we need to underpin this so we do it right the first time in Web3, then how do those values inform those three different streams that you spoke about and what you're doing with ABM? Yeah, I think, so if you look at how how businesses have treated consumers or people, right, they, they've always been, they've always considered them as, as units of economics, right? You know, what is the, the, the what is the ARPU, for example, average, average revenue per user, for example, right? And, and they, they, they think and they, they count of people as like that. I think the difference in Web3, and, and this is how we're building Avium a bit differently as well, is that I think the products you kind of want to build need to pertain to what your community needs. So we, we started by building people and, having, and building that community really strong, followed by building the distribution arms to the attention-generating assets so that you know, people know about it. And, and when you have a combination of the two, right, it's really about, hey, what does my community need? You know, what do I need to push the industry forward? Is it a is it a Web three decentralized Netflix? You know, wh- whatever that means, right? You know, really, I think that the value of understanding what the people need and catering to them is something which I think uh, the Web three space kind of needs, and, and Web two businesses kind of forgets that because if you talk if you talk about the Web two way of building, you know, it's about okay, let's design this product and let's push it to market. What's my go-to-market strategy? You know, how do I convince consumers that in this is the best thing? That, that is kind of the, the route they built. I think in Web3, the other way, when you build a community you can, who trust in you and know where you're going, you can then cater to, the, to their specific needs and then it's fully aligned. You know, there's something which the community really needs. They give their attention, they give their money, they give their effort to support it. They build it together with you and join in the endeavor. In the end, incentives are aligned and everybody benefits. I love that, C9 Heart. That is perfect. That's what that's what this technology, in my eyes, is fundamentally about, aligning incentives in a way that allows for people to be collaborative. And what I really took out of how you used to describe the difference between Web 2 and Web 3 is Web 3, just inbuilt in the culture, is the understanding that your community are your partners in this venture. They're not things to extract value from. They are the value but in a really additive way. It's not a zero-sum game here, right? It's about empowerment and then also sharing that love around and everyone getting a slice of the pie. Am I right in to characterize what you just said in that manner? A- 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 absolutely right. And, and I think, you know, we've actually really seen this model, not, not in Web3. We've, seen, we've actually seen this model in Web2, right? If, if you think about the fan economy and fans and their, their you know, be, be it you know, musician, artists, or that, the people which are really contributing and, as well as getting their own reward when they contribute, are uh, your true fans and your true advocates. And, and for the first time, you know, or one of the first times in the world, right, you can actually participate in the growth of what you truly support. You know, in, in, in the past, I support my esports team, right? 
what could I do? Maybe I could buy some merchandise. I could turn up for for their matters. Man, or... I couldn't agree more, man. I'm sorry to interrupt. This was the biggest bullish thing about crypto ever, right? You get to share in the upside of the network. Like if you found Facebook early, like cool, you got to connect with your friends, right? But the value capture was by such a small minority of people. And that yeah. is what Web3 fundamentally changes. And that is mind-blowing. I don't think people understand. Exactly. And, and, and I think people don't... No, and I think people don't see, it, and and I think because be, because people don't see, it, sometimes you know it, it's it's ripe for abuse, right? You know they, they sell hope, they sell dreams, they sell visions, and then let's take the mint money and go to Bali for a holiday, you know kind of thing. I think, I think um, people either I mean there, there's so much hope that can be done, and, and really the the structure and the incentive mechanism in Web three is ripe for new type of business. I think to to add on on that. I think value was kind of quantified very differently from Web 2 to Web 3. And Web 2, it was mostly via financial value. So like, if you're building a Web 2 company, you will notice that you are doing, you're chasing revenue, you're growing your GMP, you know, you're trying to be profitable and all that stuff. But what we saw with Web 3 is that it fundamentally allowed us to quantify social value via NFTs and quantify economic value via tokens. And I think that's a massive game changer because just by looking at the word attention economy, attention is a function of social value and economy is a function of economic value. And these are things that, you know, couldn't be built in Web 2 because of that lack of incentive mechanism, but now in Web 3, entirely possible. Alpha, I'm with you. I'm with you. So for everyone's sake though, uh, let's drill down into it. What's Avium doing? How are you doing this? Because these ideas resonate with me on a deep level, right? But let's link it to you guys so this can sort of be played out a bit more specifically. <laughs> okay, this is the this is the interesting part, right? Because because I think we've been so it's been to so many kind of events or so many AMS people are like, hey, so what's Avium? What's Avium in thirty seconds? I'm like, how in the world do you say it in thirty seconds? Well, we can stay big picture if you want, mate. It's no, 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 we, we love the hard questions, man. We love this because I think, you know, um, um, this really helps to, to iron down like exactly what we're trying to do and, and how the community can participate, right? I think mm. what, what we're doing, right, is to, uh, I, I, I'm going to throw in a new concept here, right? Which is what we call business-backed or asset-backed NFTs, as well as content-backed NFTs. But let's start with the first idea first, okay? So our thesis, right, is that if NFTs and that floor price is a indicator of the social value, think about traditional balance sheets, right? Financial statements, right? Most companies or, or the bigger companies have a, a there's a certain entry in a financial statement called intangible assets, and, and that's where they put the brand, the goodwill, some some number which you kind of put there to to, to indicate what is the value of the brand. I think for the first time, the brand equity of a company or a product or a project is now tangibly valued by means of how popular or how in demand the NFT is. So our thesis is that if the NFT and the floor price is that social valuation, what it represents as a market cap is the brand equity of that, that product, that project. And if you look at the attention economy, brand valuation is closely tied to attention, right? The more people watch a certain movie, the more they like it, the more popular it is, and therefore, you know, the more successful it is. Talk about soccer teams or esports teams. The more people watch it, the more people participate, the more fans you have, the more successful it is. What we are doing, right, for, for Avium is that we're, we're, we're taking 
we are onboarding attention generating assets into the AVM ecosystem. So for example, AVM Origins, right? AVM Origins is our what we call the IP publisher arm. We've got two full-fledged web two, web full web two businesses, um, studios called Circle and Caravan, one in Indonesia, one in Malaysia, and they've done amazing work for like Disney, for like Marvel, for the Dota series, you know. We're taking that and say, hey, can we can we produce an IP content, original content in media? and bring that to the market and continue to push the attention which it grabs. Allow the people, allow people to participate in the growth of that, that product by taking part, by owning and holding an NFT. And as that product becomes more and more popular, as we continue to drive that central narrative and one day when we reach and publish that series on Netflix, having the people on that journey, participate in it, co-create with that, as well as holding an NFT to enjoy the upside because they've shown that they've given their attention there I think that that is one practical example of how we are doing this Avium Origins I think we're looking at different not not to uh, um, spill anything but but we're looking at various attention generating assets IP and content is just one of them I think uh, Alpha Kong's history in esports just warrants that we have to look at the esports industry and I think there are many many types of attention generating assets where you can take the brand equity of that product it's go to the community and say, hey, we'll be building this. This is a real business. We're putting time and effort in this. We're going to grow and push this. Why don't you come in and join in this journey with us? That's, I think, practically how we can kind of like use Web3 to empower what are some broken economics in the Web2 attention economy. Ruthie, man, I see you with your hand up, but um, um, not hard. I don't, I don't trigger, to... trigger finger, but you can go first. Oh, dude, no, no. I just want to give a compliment. I'm fundamentally blown away about how you actually understand the capacity of this technology. Um, these are ideas I have, and I've never heard a project articulate them so eloquently. I've heard people talk about IP in you know different ways, but I think you guys have such a fundamental understanding of this technology that's so powerful. Then when you pair it with the right intentions, a good value system and, and thesis of where the space is going, the sky's literally the limit because you're actually leveraging the bloody mm. technology. But I'll pass it to Ruthie. No, I mean, just a thought that came to my head was that those goals are inspiring, right? Like being a, a Netflix series or reaching the mass audience through your esports company that you might build in the future with your community. One of the thoughts that I had was that there is going to be like inherent huge maybe costs and effort and resources that might come through this. How do you plan to fund such activities and then also like put together teams that are capable of pushing these products to market too. Yeah, so 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 there's there are two parts, right? There's obviously the the well the the profit, well re- revenue and cost, right? So so let me kind of cover both, right? I think to start off to, to start off the project to kickstart in order to get things going, we, we actually we actually did a fundraise with, with some of the top funds in the region. So, you know, um we've got Mirana, we've got Season Capital, East Ventures, and a couple of and a couple of strategic angels, you know, people from from Binance, from Looks Rare, from from Warner Media to kind of like come oh, behind. Damn, bro. Damn. I've got FTX yeah. wasn't on the list. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Well, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> sorry, we, we don't talk about that one. We don't talk about that one. <laughs> sorry, sorry. 
That's a tight list. <laughs> no problem, no problem. So I think we, so basically when we started, we were thinking, you know, and, and a lot of projects say, hey, let's hit the market, let's, you know, raise some money from NFTs. I think for us, we, we wanted to kind of de-risk things for the community, right? We want to build that trust. We want to tell people that, hey, you know, sure, you know, I, you've got to build a trust, you've got to build that relationship first. So we we did a really small, well, not really small, but we, we did a controllable, sizable um a venture capital round, you know, we, we, we still retain, obviously we still retain control, right? Uh, to kind of like get things started, to pushing. So we've got, we've got funds set aside, you know, to, to move things to a certain degree, right? I think to, and, and if you look at how, how, how we've been using the money, right? I think building a Hollywood movie is like, I don't know, 10, $15 million, $15 million, right? And then, but on the other hand, releasing, for example, a, a short clip, on YouTube or, or something, it's going to be a lot cheaper. So I think for us, the funds are how far we can push that product. And I think it remains on us to continue to build that trust that we can execute. So for our first pass, our, our what we call the founder's pass, we actually released this at a free mint, the height of winter in August. And that was August, this 2022, right? Free mint, uh, we call it earned mint because you know that there are some things we did to kind of like curate the community. But as of today, I think it's what one point eight or close to two e. I think that was that climb. So, uh, yeah, bring uh, tears to my eyes. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, re- re- remembering the whole process and, and all that effort, you know, it was a tiring period, but it's it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And and you know, from I think the revenue that we have or the money that we have will push things. And and obviously, when we do the origins mint that those proceeds are intended to push the product even further, right? To push it even further to where it came from and, and really to make it succeed so that everybody can succeed together. As a matter of cost, obviously being prudent and, how, and, and being resourceful in how we spend the money is really, really important. So for us, what we do is that we onboard ecosystem partners and then we convert them and make them fully aligned to Avium's vision. So for example, our two our two studios, they're, they're, and, and bear in mind, these are full capacity studios, right? I think that 100, 150 animators, artists, you know, and, and sitting down with them, spending time with them, explaining what AVM is, you know, obviously doing a ref share, sharing some profits with them to make sure that they're covered, you know, but really bring them on board to the Web3 dream and say, hey, you know, if we're doing this, we're doing this together, we'll all succeed together. I think there are some ways to share and manage cost. And as we build each business unit, um, that's the model we take. So, you know, being resourceful, controlling costs, sharing, not being selfish in sharing the profits with people, including the community, including our ecosystem partners, so that everybody can succeed together. I think um, to add on on the resourceful part, I think within the NFT space now, a lot of people talk about building an IP. And I think it's good to kind of break that down a bit for the audience here today, right? Like, an IP isn't just a brand or just a character. Like when we look at Marvel, when we look at Star Wars, what we genuinely see is the front end. So when we look at the movies, we see all the stuff and it's pretty cool. But what makes them strong, what gives them leverage is actually beneath the surface. And it's basically this very big stack of media library that covers the character models, the world environment, the SFX, VFX, the music, and all that stuff. And I think that's the part where decentralization is incredibly important because creatives and artists are a very specialized um, 
group of like um, a very specialized discipline. And for a comic artist to do animation, impossible. For a storyteller to kind of make a movie, it's pretty much impossible. And I think that's fundamentally where this concept of ownership, co-creation, and decentralization comes in. Co-creating a media library, co-creating and co-building an ecosystem is, I think, pretty much one of the key turning points from the creative industry. Uh, I love that. Thank you so wow, much. It wow. seems like, wow. Uh, oh, oh, Johnny, you, no, you try, so you try. To, I'm, <laughs> I'm just gradually seeing how big this picture is. I understand, I understand how big the technological capacity is, but the size of the problem you're tackling and how holistically you're thinking about it is so on scale. It's just such a large scale. Uh, it, 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 it really is talking about fundamentally disrupting previous ways of organizing society right around attention and what is the world nowadays apart from attention. Um, sorry for interrupting, Ruthie. I was just really blown away. Um, Alpha Kong's about how you break Amen. down, how that fundamental dynamic is just ripe for disruption and can be done more effectively with this technology. Yeah, and I think I'd like to add on a bit to that as well. So, you know, sharing this might sound incredibly ambitious and that's why it's very important to really understand, you know, the right steps to take. So when we look at building something, when we look at building a character model, doing esports and all that stuff, I think one thing we look at is in the flexibility of that asset. So for example, if you look at esports, why is that one of why is that part of our roadmap? It's because what most people don't know about esports is the fact that it's probably the most flexible media property in the world. Why? It's because with esports, for you to venture into things like the creator economy with streaming and all that stuff, merchandise and apparel, IP creation, content creation, blockchain gaming guilds, game publishing, game development, all becomes a natural expansion from that one asset. And it's this sort of resourcefulness and thinking and strategizing that will make whatever you want to build possible. So I love that, but it's it's just so big picture. And I'm and Ruthie can attest to this. I'm a big picture person, so this is my language. Uh, but for the interest of, I guess, trying to maybe communicate it in a more concrete way, is there a way we can break down this problem into simpler parts and talk about like the actionable steps that you guys are taking or how you're how you're going to go about actually solving this? Because it just seems like it just seems so huge, right? Like I would imagine. Um, your TAM slide on your pitch decks when you were raising capital, your TAM slide is just the whole attention economy, right? Like that is literally unlimited. I wonder what number you put on there, but it's just crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I, I give a laugh because one of the challenges we had, I think at the start when we were, you know, exactly that, 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 that deck, right? That slide deck was... How do you how do you reduce this to like slides, you know, without talking about it? You know, there's no way. Like, if, if we were to do a slide to, to just cover everything we said, right? I don't know, man. It's gonna be fifty page, fifty fifty page presentation. Uh, I think 
breaking it down to small parts and small problems in a sense is important from a strategy as to what do we solve first and how do we build it. And I think we, when we broke it down, it's still a bit high level, but I think in terms of the strategy and how we, we kind of broke it down, I think we knew that we had to start with getting the people and community on board with us because that's where, that's your key leverage, right? If, you, if you're playing the attention economy, your key leverage is obviously the people who are going to give you the attention. So putting steps and strategies to get there is, gets more and more important and you need to stack that at the front so it gets easier later. So, I mean, let me give an example, right? So when we first started off with our Founders Pass, we knew that we wanted a community who was aligned with us in the vision, sit down with us and could really go together because, and we needed to keep them really close. So what we did, you know, a bright idea, which uh, was, was, yeah, it was, was a journey, right? Was that we had 2,500 um, calls and, into, well, meetups, two, 2,500 one-on-one calls with people. We, we, uh, we, That's insane. yeah, That's oh, insane. Oh, oh, over like 500 to 600 hours comprising one-on-one calls, meetups, whatever, you know, just to kind of really understand the people and, and really double down on the people in the community that, that we, we want to build. And, and I think that really paid off because I, I guess, you know, the Founders Pass is holding up really well in this market. And on top of that, when we built AM Origins, I think, you know, we've got that, um, that application onboarding experience. If you see the difference is that the questions are uniquely designed to kind of understand you, right? It's like, who are you? You know, what are your pain points? How can we help? What can we, what can AVM do for you? And what can we do together to make it great? I think as a strategy in breaking down, we knew that we had to double down and invest in people as a start. So that's phase one. And we continue to take this approach as we build. I think step two was looking at, now that we know that we have this kind of conversion engagement process to really build that, that relationship, how do we get more people in? What is that top line distribution funnel that we kind of need to build to attract attention to Avian. Which is why, you know, starting with the IP publisher, you know, building our own IP content, you know, you've seen the VTuber, you've seen the animation, you've seen those trailers. I think those are, are important assets that we need to kind of bring that attention, which solves the distribution part of that. So we're, we're doubling down on that a bit more so that we can increase that top line attention. And after this, you know, looking at what product fits the community, how can we cater to their needs and interests so that they benefit, you know, everybody benefits, right? I think it's the next step. So just breaking it down into phases of, still high level, but phases in terms of what's important, what do we need to double down on on that phase to continue to move like to, to step two, to step three, to step four. And, and really stacking those in the right order uh, as we build in a you know, brand new economy. I'm going to have to pass this to Ruthie because that gave me deja vu of my experience with surgeons and how Ruthie and Esteem have built our community. So I'm not trying to be that person still in the thunder because what you guys are doing is absolutely incredible. But that is, it, it's such a similar approach to what I've seen Ruthie take. And mm. I admire it within seeing you express that, Nightheart. And I also see it in Ruthie. So it just makes sense for me to be quiet now, but I love it. No, don't eat me. Nightheart are going to get a beer together. In Alpha Kongs, all three of us. <laughs> it makes yeah, sense. Man. Yeah, it's man. so natural, dude. That is you but, in a different form, man. That's, that's the exact same approach. Yeah, I have my trusty pen here. It's like half broken <laughs> and red. And I have like five checkpoints here, right? Because I was taking notes. And, and one of them in big writing was like community box tick. Huge, huge tick. 
vision yeah funding yes brains yes resources yes because when i was writing those five things down i was trying to think about uh, well i was going to ask you guys how you think you are uniquely positioned and what your competitive advantage are against other projects so they're trying to chase down this path of like uh, creating ip capturing attention economy or like redefining the attention economy economy but hasn't succeeded um like what do you think is a differentiating factor here for you creating an impact in this economy meaningful impact yeah uh i think so so two things right differentiating factor and and, and that that um how do we create impact mm. i think the the differentiating factor is so so don't get me wrong i i think there are great projects out there i think you know um they and there are different strengths right you know you you have projects which are focused on art you know they want to build the artist community yeah. you know people want to build games i think i think for us what what we Fundamentally, what we're looking at from an ecosystem point of view is that there, there is a broken ecosystem out there. And, and the vision yeah. is great. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, right? It scares us as well, right? But you've got to go for something that scares you, right? Is that it, it's, a big, it's a big ecosystem problem. But I think we're uniquely placed to kind of solve some of these problems. I think, you know, with basically with um, uh, Alpha Kong's experience, right? The the and, and, and j- just a nugget, right? Alpha Kong's previous holding company. So when he set up Evos, right? Evos is their brand name, but the holding company was called ATTN, which uh you know could ATTN. If you kind of like read it out, it says attention, like, attention, right? So so I think he's for for six years of his life, you know, or well actually more, but probably ten years, right? He's he's been looking at at. How do I solve the attention? How do I solve the attention? Mm, and, and I think, mm. and, and when that idea, I mean, I, I'll, I'll love for him to kind of elaborate and say more uh, about that for his kind of spark point. And, and with that kind of expertise, I mean, he's been thinking about these problems for like, I don't know, man, like, I don't know, 20 years? Rest from, and, and for me, I think I'll, I'll chip in a bit on that. Mm. How do we impact is that, you know, coming from my background, I've done transactions, I've done, I, I've basically for all my life has looked at how do I incentivize and disincentivize people to act in a certain way and what systems and processes do I need to put in place to kind of make that whole facilitation kind of thing work? How do I get people to co-create? How do I reward them in a fair way? How do I incentivize them? How do I do that at the same time protecting against bad actors? You know, that, that whole mechanics. I think the, the impact the society we're trying to build and, and the name for one of our, I mean, this is why at Avium we say, you know, uh, we, we want to enable passion. We want to build dreams for Avium for all. Because I think every product or every, how the ecosystem is designed is that mm. we are facilitating that process for people to interact, to co-create together with us, to build this together. The, the, the intellectual property regime, you know, who owns what is uniquely designed to do that. You know, the world we've designed, you know, software building, hardware building, that, that thought process goes all the way down to the art. You know, having our artists have you know, that, that, that specific flair it's their art, you know, incorporating, incorporating that into the traits and the art. I think this is how we want to kind of build everything off. So I think that mm. impact of society is from the design of how we want to kind of build Avium. I'm yeah. going to pass the time to Alphacons a little bit to talk about the intention economy and, and you know, what, what, what the differentiating factor is because, you know, he's spent a lot of time and I know every time this topic comes out, he's like raving to go. So mm. I better stop talking for a bit, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in my last company, you know, I had this vision of building the web to attention ecosystem. And that's why, you know, we started with eSports, we went into 
um, the creator economy went we into IP creation, content creation, all that stuff. But there was a lot of issues when crafting an ecosystem strategy in Web2. Because when your only incentive mechanism was financial in nature, it's quite hard to synergize your entire ecosystem. And I think that's one reason why, you know, when I started looking into Web3, it just makes so much sense. Connected assets via NFTs, social valuation, et cetera, et cetera, it just all makes sense. And, you know, if you kind of take a step back, you know how in the NFT space we talk about how meta evolves over time? You have the application meta and all that stuff. Yeah. In a sense, from an entrepreneur perspective, you know, the meta also changes from a strategy level every 10 years. So for example, in the early 2000s, you know, Steve Jobs kind of pushed this whole design thinking plus hardware and tech kind of meta. And that's where you create this like whole search and um, product managers, UI, UX, and all that stuff. In 2010, the Chinese you know, crafted this whole strategy around the ecosystem strategy or a super app strategy. And that's where you had this whole rise of like Alibaba, Tencent, ByteDance. What we see in Web3 is, you know, basically we, you know, as founders in the space, we are crafting that framework, that strategic framework of how do you actually build a decentralized ecosystem strategy. And I think that's kind of what we kind of go to sleep wake up and think about and execute everything. <laughs> that was so beautifully put. I'm, uh, I've been loving this space so far. It's uh, one of the best spaces that we've had. Uh, hey, I see John Wiener has come up onto the stage. Hey, John. John, John. <laughs> Your PFP looks really angry, man. And you're also still muted. Did you want to talk? Okay. Anyways, whilst, whilst uh, maybe we wait for John, uh, Joni, I'll, I'll let you take it. Yeah, well, man, I'm always ready to go. But the, the depth of which you're thinking around these ideas and how you're equating this transition to being as potent as what Steve Jobs was doing um, and how these are questions that are always on your mind, I can relate as one of the core team at Surgeons about how we're thinking constantly about how can we actually really leverage this technology for the change that it's meant to do in a meaningful way. So let's pivot slightly off the approach that you guys are doing because what I'm getting out of this is just how big picture you're thinking. Uh, what are people missing? And I don't mean to attack specific projects, but, but people that are going out there trying to do IP their own way or I guess following the herd with respect to trying to do the things that Web3 promises – what don't you think they get? Like, where where are they missing the opportunity? <laughs> uh, I well, I wouldn't say opportunity more than strategy, right? I think I think the opportunity is there. I mean, I mean, you know, to to build IP from the start, you know, you, you some people want to be built, you know, a, a great story, a great game, you know, or a great movie, you know. And, and I think that that that's that's obviously warranted. People are pursuing their dreams, but I think people are forgetting how hard it is to really bring and unite people under a cause. I think Web3 and community is about really investing that in, in, in the people and what and we've seen this many times, right? People are either unequipped to so we I think we see three pitfalls, right? People think that, oh it's Web3, you know, if I've if I play the game, I watch the game, I can launch a game. 
which is not true at all, right? I, I, I can have first-hand experience to, to do the art, right? It's like, yeah, you know, I, I can criticize, I can critique a PFP, you know, the nose is too high, the cheek are wrong, but to really do it, it's ridiculous. You, you need the experts to be in, right? So I think sometimes people have that technical gap where they don't, they, they miss it, and they're like, okay, it's done. So, so that's one part. I think the second part are, are, are people who come from the other end, right? You might have the full kind of um, um, technical capability. You've launched amazing games, done this before, but they don't really understand or they don't care about what Web3 means and that new technology. How, how do I really engage the community? How do I share the incentive? How do I be transparent to them? How do I build together with them? I think there's that group of people who kind of fall into that as well. And they're like, yeah, you know, I mean, these are people we kind of want to market to. They, they've kind of gotten the concept of what the community means wrongly, despite the technical uh, problem. I think the, the third problem people see kind of generally run into as well is that not, not understanding how the market kind of reacts pre-mint, during the mint, and post-mint um, sensitivities. So things like, you know, um, simple things like, like mint price, how do I sell? How is the market reacting? How do I promote this? How do I get people on board? A post-mint, what's important? How, how do I continue that attention flywheel and keep going? I think some, some people, some projects miss that as well. And, and you, you see a whole lot of these, right? You see a whole lot of them where they get, they've, they've gone really well, they've done really well, but post-mint, like, hey man, what's happening? You know, are, are you guys just off? You know, nobody cares. And it's all quiet. And then you, you kind of lose that momentum that you've restarted. At the same time, you've got projects which are you know, really solid, but don't really know how to engage the community to kind of start that engine and start the train going on. I think that the truth of the matter is that building in Web3 is, is difficult, you know, and, and I guess the humility is that the humility of it all is that you're going to need a group of people together. You're going to need to persuade them to do this together with you in the trenches and really, really build together and align the incentives so that everybody is fairly rewarded for, for what they're doing together. So, I love it. I'm going to go at point two and point three. So point three, if I could summarize and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I guess it's sort of like the actual, the, the actual actionable steps. Sorry, I had to say those two uh, A's back to back. How do you actually implement the idea? Step two, in some broad way, is about like how do you actually impart the values and understand what's really going on and then reflect that and share the value with your community. Well, I've got a question for you guys and I would really love for you both to potentially speak on this slightly. How can we use the way the NFTs at least traditionally operate and scale so that we let tens of thousands of people share in this upside, right? Because at least throughout 2021 and, and now, NFT collections are at least very often capped out at around 10K, right? And for this attention economy idea to really work, do we want all that value capture residing in a small group? Like, do we want to do what VFans are sort of doing and saying there's this small group of IP holders who buy in and they get to share in that growth? Uh, is that how you think it should be? Or do we need a way of scaling this up, almost saying that the people who are on yeah. Google, they need to get to share in the value of their ads that they're seeing or Facebook users should get to share in that value? How do, you yeah. see, how do we do it? I love I, I I love this question because this is a question we, we think about all the time. And, and we, we, we do certain analogies, but, but I think the solution is here, okay? I think so. So let's keep it simply, and then and, and then I'll talk about the structure and thinking behind it. I think adding to your collection and growing that collection is pretty important. Okay, and you can add. Okay, sorry, sorry. Adding and growing to your ecosystem and bring the participants in is gonna be important. And a project which designs for longevity must 
have this kind of like the 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 thinking or strategy is how do I bring new participants into the into the ecosystem? That that that's the quick answer. And, and let me give you the broader thinking. Okay, think of you know when when a new company or not not a new company or a new country starts, right? You want to reward the people who came in first, who took the biggest risk, um, for 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 placing their time and attention there, right? But at the same time, and, and think of how cities have built, right? Properties, for example, for example, right? Properties in city center are always the most expensive, right? Because that's where all the economic activity started. But you know, having a property, you know, at the outskirts of a city or even the countryside doesn't mean you're not part of that whole country or ecosystem. You still remain a part of you know, Singapore, Australia, um, Taiwan, or wherever, right? You know, the property you hold may not be as as, as expensive as you know the one in the city center but at the same time the government or the people still continue to say how do i develop these fringe city properties i think as ecosystems and projects grow you need to find different levels of entry for different participants to kind of reward different risk levels and how they want to participate there are some practical ways as growing your collection you know adding to a collection tool releasing different types of collection and the interaction amongst them, I think, is the right kind of strategy to grow your the people in your ecosystem, including not only NFTs, but as we know in the whole Web three, there are also tokens and you know cryptocurrency and where you know you can have people holding them as well. So I think these are some of the practical steps that we are thinking about. How do I grow so that value as we keep growing, we can continue to share that value amongst people who want to build and support. You know, the whole avium ecosystem I think to kind of add on to that um, I think a lot of projects kind of launch NFTs consecutively um, and naturally it becomes a, a dilution of brand equity and I think for us the way we look at new launches is it has to be additive in nature meaning as you open up your ecosystem to more people that has to be paired up with new inflow of people that wants to come in. And I think that, that's kind of how we imagine, um, you know, in Web2, we kind of call it the marketing funnel. In Web3, we kind of call it the adoption funnel, which is something that we feel like we need to build it first, combining Web2's marketing funnel with Web3's echo chamber and having a new more scaling model for growing that attention and growing that community. So, I mean, when we look at our roadmap and we look at what we need to execute on first, there are certain frameworks that we need to kind of establish in order for us to build out um, the longer-term vision of like the end goal. Guys, I am blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. That's the best I've ever heard anyone answer that. It's a challenging problem. The combination of that attention funnel um, with the ideas of layering these different tiers based upon people's risk that they're taking on when they enter, it understands the basic nature of the financial system, doesn't it? Like risk-adjusted returns and the, the benefit of taking risk when there's more uncertainty. These basic principles that we can't, we can't go against these concepts, right? Or it's going to be fraught with challenges. Similarly, how many people like don't really add in that extra step? I'm sure so many NFT founders think like, okay, I'm going to have my initial collection and then maybe I'll issue a secondary collection. How many really delineate and mention that they, well, they need increased attention for that to work, right? 
they can't just try and keep going back to the same well of the same customers. You really need to be growing your reach to match that increased offering. And you guys both just touched on that. I mean, it's just, it honestly, I, I was blown away by that. Um, John, man, uh, please jump up. I think one thing that is missing here is the fact that when people release a collection, they just do it for the sake of releasing a new collection and trying to raise funds, essentially. And there's not much consideration for the utility behind the actual NFT. So, originally, NFTs were designed for what? For proof of ownership, right? And then they are proof of... Then they evolve eventually to like a membership-type deal where people own NFTs to show proof of membership into a certain group, clique, clubs, whatever. So... I think we're straying away a bit from that 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 original definition of where um, NFTs originated from, and that's why we keep seeing all these additional collections, right? People just leveraging their their current slow their current social cloud to just maximize their returns and try to, you know, maybe pay out certain people within their organization and not care about the community, which is what is really supposed to be about, right? Yeah, man, 100%. I think uh, uh, the Web3 kind of market is, 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 is evolving more. Well, more, evolve, not, not really evolving more that I think we are starting to understand what, what Web3 really means and, and what is the power in technology. And, and as people understand it a bit more, I think you could see how NFT is being used uh, to evolve as well. And, and actually, that's, that's the right thing to do, right? If you think of the ICO boom, people used to think like, oh, token for you, token for me, you know, you want to have some loyalty points, let's have a token, you know, and, and you could use a token for anything under the world. I think, you know, and it's normal, right? In a new market, you know, when people in this infancy, people are understanding what it really means, you know, you, you get people trying everything under the sun and, but but I think as people start to understand the technology, the potential, what it can do, you're going to see the real use cases coming out to really, I guess, really read the results of fruition of that, what the technology can do. But I think that's also a very critical portion, right, that you mentioned here, right? People need to actually understand the product. People actually need to put in the work and they actually need to put in the time to really understand what's going on, right? Half yeah, time, man. Half the time within our communities, I'm pretty sure you have this too. There's always gonna be that one person that's gonna ask you, "How am I supposed to withdraw from my wallet?" <laughs> or, or does this if I interact with this contract, am I gonna get robbed? You know, there's always gonna be that. There, there's always gonna be that that person that says that kind of thing, and then that's that's it's slightly frustrating. But then again, when then these people get robbed, and then they come back and ask you, "Why didn't you just tell me that I I was gonna get robbed?" Blah blah blah. And the reality of the situation is that everybody had to take responsibility for their own actions because this is just the nature of the space, right? So yeah, I think ultimately, as we spend more time within the space, I think the use cases for NFTs will of course grow. But definitely, NFTs as it is right now, they're currently just being used as a token gate for exclusive access into a particular community. So like your body, your Azukis, etc., etc. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I hope that, um, well, I hope that, um, you know, uh, as when we're building AVM, we'll, we'll start kind of push the envelope on, on what people use NFTs for. Um, guys, 
you have time for one or two more questions or what's your schedule? Do you need to be getting out of here? Because we've got su- had such a rich discussion. I'm just conscious that we've been here for about an hour or so. Oh, good, bro. Uh, another 15, 20 minutes should be no problem. Okay, cool. I've got this question I would love your guys' insight on. I think it's the classic chicken and the egg question. And I'm going to first tenet my hypothesis and then I want you guys to come at it and challenge it. I, as a base level case, think that Web3 adoption NFTs might be better suited to pre-existing communities that then choose to adopt it once they've already had that network effect established. And then then it's sort of like that extra layer of value. You could think of it as like a, uh, it's, it's like a, it's a very different way of tokenizing value that's different to traditional equity layers or like what we might consider like a rewards card for somewhere per se, right? It's like a new thing. But what do you think the merits are in terms of building this up from the ground with NFT and Web3 values as the ethos conditions compared to having that pre-existing community then sort of just leveraging the technology? Do you think they're different fundamentally? Is one better than the worst? Is uh, they're going to be a specific way the space evolves? What do you reckon? Uh, uh, I think... Uh, no, that's a, that's a good question. I, I actually I, I have a pretty practical kind of answer to it. I think it's a matter of um, the stage of the market. Right? And, and what we like to do is that we like to kind of look back at, at um, old practices. Not old practices, but, but what has happened with... You, you look back at history to kind of tell your future, right? Look at how the internet was adopted or how, how people started to adopt social media as a form of marketing and advertising or influencer marketing, right? I think at the start, you're going to have... have you, you're going to need to have the old businesses kind of adopt web 2.5-ish kind of technologies, kind of experiment and see how it complements with that, with, with, with the existing businesses. But, but the truth of the matter is that it's really difficult for a, you know, a functional, profitable powerhouse like, uh, uh, to, to kind of like fully adopt Web3 at the start because you know, there, there's shareholder pressure, there are cost structures, your business is set up a certain way. It's not easy to just say, hey, I'm throwing everything away and going to Web3, right? As a matter of, of the growth of the industry, we're going to see what, what, what we call Web 2.5. But at the same time, the bis- and, and we're going to see the inflection point where Web 3 businesses become normal businesses. You know, there's a saying, it goes, right, that something becomes popular when you no longer have to say it. Like when you don't have to use the word NFT, that's when, oh, you know, it's really got a mass adoption. I think we've got to go through that um, right of passage. We're going to see some Web 2.5. We're going to have Web3 companies like what EVM is trying to do to kind of fully adopt the Web3 kind of ethos and spirit right at the start. And, and that number is going to keep increasing as, we, as you know, Web3 adoption goes along that way. Yeah, that's very interesting insight. Uh, Alpha Kongs, do you have something on that too? And the reason I just passed you is because you both complement each other so much and there's been such incredible insight from both sides that... I'm I'm actually asking this selfishly because I I think of this question myself all the time. Uh, for Kongs, you're on mute. If not, it's okay. We can we can keep on rolling. Um, and if you want to get back <laughs> no. to that a bit later, that's completely fine. Oh, easy, easy. Oh, easy, easy, easy. Sorry, I, I had to save my phone because I have like two percent battery left, and it's on space. Oh, so you're working <laughs> on that fine line. <laughs> Alpha Kongs, I do that. I do that mad rush across the room. Okay, <laughs> myself. To get that I have two percent. I have ten seconds, but 
<laughs> I think it's gone. <laughs> Sorry, one, one minute. Actually, uh, I'll just comment later. Let me charge my phone for a bit. That, absolutely, that's that's completely fine. I was just selfishly trying to get <laughs> some of your insight. Well, so I might um, just quickly jump to a crowd question. Hey, Nick. So maybe what we do. I know there's like a couple other people that want to ask questions too. Let's keep it concise, quick, and powerful. All right, let's go, Nick. Hey, Nick Allen, how are you, man? Hey, Love good morning, brother. Hey. Yeah, it's morning, early morning for you. Yeah, it's, it's um, about 8 a.m. here. Um, I've been listening. I love what I'm hearing. Um, keep it quick and concise. I just want to say it's refreshing to hear um, founders speak about P&Ls and um, the actual terms that you want to hear a business talk about, right? Because with everything that happened with FTX and in the space lately, it's, it seems like people are getting away from good business practices, right? So just want to give you your kudos, give you your flowers on that aspect. Now, my question is, we're in the application meta, right? Um, obviously, a lot of people have done your application, myself included, still waiting for a response. Um, the application meta is great, but it kind of takes away from the personal aspect of um, getting to know the people one and one, right? You could, you know, anyone could put something good on paper. So my question is, what are you guys doing different than other projects? We've seen um, like a KPR, um, Ether, that there's so many applications that we don't know the technical aspects of what goes on. So you guys don't, so the applications don't get lost in the process. So, I want to know, and I know a lot of people want to know as well, what's your application process like? Um, how many people touches the application from once we submitted in? And what are you guys doing different in the space so us as the applicants, we don't get lost in the sauce, so to speak? Happy, happy to share, man. Uh, we, what I can start off with is that we read every single uh, application and, and and we've pioneered what we call so you mentioned the pine you, you've mentioned the kind of application meta right and, and and you know with the many many kind of applications you've seen and and look I, I've done this as well right you know uh, is that a lot of the questions ask you you know oh you know uh, and well when it first started off when it first started it was a bit more ugly right it was like oh What's your wallet size? Connect your wallet. How much money do you have? You know, uh, what can you do for the community? You know, why should we? Why should we get you in? It's a bit of like you know, it, it felt a bit one way. I think what we did differently we we started something called the Know Our Community KOC kind of matter, and our questions are designed to kind of understand who you are, tell us a story, and, and the questions we've asked are, are really designed to know you better. It's, it's not a Hey, tell me, you know, what can you do for me, kind of thing, right? It's tell me a story, and, and if you've gone through that process, you know, um, there, there are some parts, you know, certain categories where we share our own personal story as well. I think as a start, that's um, the the intent and purpose is always to get to know to know you. How what what that process is at the back is that you know when we, when we had that two thousand five hundred kind of one on one calls, we're really proud to say that we know all like. We probably know all our founding members, the, the people who hold founders past. Like amongst the team, we know every single one, right? And 
what, what happened was very interesting. When, when, when we saw the influx of applications, so many of these people stepped up and said, hey, you know, I think you guys need some help. And, and we managed to engage the help of you know, what, what, what people know as OGs. We call them abstracts, right? So we, we had the OGs and abstracts help us as part of the community to really go through this together. And, and you know, we're all connected. We discussed. We said, okay, you know, if, if, if we're not sure whether we want to you know, um, have this guy on board, then there's, there's, a, there's a way to flag your second opinion so that someone else can look at it. And, and each of us kind of like look at applications per, pertaining to your area of interest and expertise. So for example, um, obviously uh, in our application, you could identify under eSports or sports. And obviously Ivan and Alphacons are going to look at that, right? As the, as the eSports kind of expert. What, what, what we did differently and what we continue to do differently is that we believe in reverse grinding. I don't know why we do this, but actually, no, I, I, I know why we do this, right? So, so, so in the past, you look at, at projects, you know, you had to grind for your whitelist. You know, you had to like GM, GM, drink some water, so on and so forth. I think we, we, we looked at it and say, it's actually the founders who, or the founding team which should be building for the community and building trust. So this whole reverse grinding meta, you know, you guys laughed when we said we did like 500, 600 hours of interviews. Because if you think about it, the people who are really grinding are us, man. You know, it's, it's us grinding for the community, right? But, but that, that's investing in the community. I love it, though, man. I love it. It's how it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And that's how it's supposed to be, right? So, so that's what we did. Um, our OG process for, for this round as well is similar. So to, to become an OG, in, in, because it's a wider collection, right? So, so different kind of mechanisms and structures put in place. But if you want to be OG, arrange for a one-on-one call. So, so obviously, you've got to go through some tasks to kind of understand Avium, you know, talk about Avium, share friends. But then to become an OG, you sit down on one-on-one call with, with the founding team or members of the founding team. And, and we are going through that right now. I think if you look at how we design the application process, you know, what we should do and engage people in Discord or outside of that, it's something what we call the Michelin star experience. So by, by really catering to you, that onboarding process, that know your community, but at the same time, there's obviously the application meta, but even in the application, you, know, you see the VTuber, which we did, that whole Michelin star experience to know that you are a treasured member of Avium, you know, you're part of the community, something which we um, put in effort as well. Perfect. Yeah, Thank cool. you so much. I, I've Thank got 6%. So um, I go ahead, Alpha. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said something. So, you know, I think in the Web3 space, everyone talks about how important community is. And I think the way we view it is that, you know, step one, we really need to, the founders of any NFT project, you know, has to make it a priority to really know each and every one of their community members. And that's what we take pride in doing. Because only by knowing that can you um, focus on the connectivity of your community. And only by doing that can you figure out the partnership and contribution framework for your community. So I think all this stuff has to be done step by step if we really want to lay the foundation for a strong community and strong project going into the next bull market or bull cycle. Alpha, I, I, I'm sorry, Rick, I see you're about to go, but I've got to just add, I, I, I can't express how 
wonderful it is to hear that mentality because it's really what's missing in the space and it will be what stares us towards an open, decentralized Web3 ecosystem that's vibrant and beneficial for all. But on a personal level, working close, closely with Ruthie and Esteemed, and I once again, I don't mean just turn the focus on, on them, but it's just the exact same mentality that I've seen up close day in, day out, like the meticulous care to building a community prioritizing engaging with everyone on an individual level giving this like massive amount of time consistently for so long and having it as the like the layer zero so to speak to steal blockchain technology for then everything that comes on top and just the fact that you guys are so aligned with what i've seen them do and execute and what our community has seen them do and execute man it's just it, it gives me real hope for the space thanks journey Passing the microphone to me, and then I'm going to pass it to the three-letter Buildor SJC. SJC in the house. Hi. Uh, are you know, oh, hey. Yeah. I, hey, thought, hi I thought you had, like, more to add to that. I thought you were actually um, going to say something, but uh, no. Uh, I, nothing comes to mind. Okay, great. Um, so, great AMA, guys. I've been listening along while getting some work done in the background. Um, from your point of view, and I know that, you know, when you've got a roadmap and you've got an idea of how to bring people together, um, it always comes with ups and downs. Has there been anything that you've seen from your community that has surprised you? Yeah, I'm just just taking a bit of time to to think through the the many experiences we went through. Uh, okay, I I I don't think anything has surprised us in the sense that you know, I think a lot of things you know when it happens and when you look back and you say yeah that kind of makes sense you know when it happens but but on that spot I think it kind of surprises you. I think what what we were really and, and this is a pleasant surprise, right? I think. You know, before the whole application kind of meta interview meta started, um, it, we we went out on a thesis that hey, you know, we should we should talk to people because we we genuinely want to know who who's in our community. We genuinely want to know who's interested in what we're building, and, and that started off the interview meta. And, and I think how that turned out was was amazing. You know, and and I think what what continually surprises me is that. How how the relationships are really being formed and built within um, the EVM ecosystem, and, and and every day when when someone new gets to know someone else, and and and, and we, we've we've had members who have done you know business transactions together or they've helped each other in some other way, right? I think every time that happens, it's just a, a pleasant reminder that if you invest in a community, you put time, uh, and, and you really facilitate that kind of system. Uh, great, great things that happen. You know, you can have great people do great things together. And and, and when we when we stepped up for even origins and prepared with with that X number of thousands of you know app- applications we're looking at, when the people so readily stepped up and say, hey, you know, we're here to help, man. You know, we believe in this and we to help you. I think that that was a pleasant surprise. From a yeah, it was a good validation that I think you know if you you reap what you sow, right? You invest in this and. and in the small ways, you know, the, the returns come through these kind of genuine interactions. No, I love that. And it's always fun to see how the community reacts to what you put forward as well. Like, 
you know, who, who knows, they might hate it, they might love it, but it's really good to see that you guys have had such a strong community that's behind you every step of the way. Yeah, it, it, really, it really is heartwarming, especially you know, in tough times. Um, people matter, man. People will always matter. 100% community-centric, man. I, I love, um, like, I'm a big supporter of founders that exhibit, like, servant leadership. I truly focus on empowering and engaging each and single member of the community. We put a lot of emphasis on multi-threading relationships as well. Like, it's always good to have that one-to-many relationship as a founder, but also to empower each of your community member to bond relationships together just to make that web stronger. I like that. I like that term, man. Multi, multi-threading. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to adopt that term, man, bro. I mean, it's beautiful. Multi-threading man. relationships. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I learned that term on a sales podcast where they say multi-threading when they're like connecting with different stakeholders and connecting those stakeholders together. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to use that. All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Something new today. <laughs> yeah. Like, like one of the things that we did, right, was um, in the spirit of multi-threading relationships, we started like a coffee catch-up, like ride or die program where each of the members are randomly paired with another member and they have to catch up. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> Must um, be a... Uh... Must be scary for us, for people who know. I, you know, there, there are always people who, who are a bit more shy, a bit more reserved. You know? Must mm. be a, a, mm. a scary opportunity. Yeah. So I'd say we have like one, oh, we have two more questions. So we'll, uh, Akis and Amar will keep this real quick. Keep this real quick. If you guys can ask away, Nightheart and Africans will get your response. Akis, you go first. Hello. Um, thank you. Hey, hey. Um, I will keep it short um, because I think we don't have uh, much time. Um, I say I see that many high projects do everything right before Mint. They are building community, Twitter presence, great website, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, then when it comes to Mint, um, there comes also the FUD, especially for the hype mints. And suddenly the team doesn't know uh, what they are doing anymore. And um, that's my question. Do you have already developed a strategy how you want to react for this or to this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Go. Uh, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Africa. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've been just like charging my phone and just switching in and out. But I, I think moving forward into the space, founders have to change the way they execute on their project, whereby at any given point of time, we need to think in terms of short-term, medium-term, and long-term objectives. And even before Mint, moving forward, you can no longer Mint out and think about what to do next. So a lot of projects moving into next year will have to begin um, pre-executing their roadmap because the first three months after Mint is incredibly important, right? And that's the period of time where you need to build trust which is super important, especially in this trustless world in Web3. So I think pre-execution, planning for short, medium, and long-term are things that will become a mainstay in the space. Beautiful. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Here we are. Emma. Hello, everyone. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, you got your loud and clear, mate. Alright, good. So I don't really have a question, it's just something that I noticed and I want to point it out. 
So uh, I've heard a lot about Avium. Uh, I've done the application and everything, but until I joined this space, like uh, just today when I joined the space, I realized that you have uh, a much wider vision and you are thinking about the whole space and the future of Web3. And that makes me more bullish on Avium. But I'm just thinking, why didn't I know about this before the AMA? Like, like I've, done, I've gone through the application, I've seen your Twitter, but I didn't see your vision very clearly. And I think like there, like maybe you could um, somehow communicate the value or the vision that you that you have in a clearer way so that people would be more bullish on the project. Like that's how I uh, thought about it, that maybe I, uh, I should have known about this earlier. I couldn't understand that you have uh, a long-term vision and that you're thinking about the Web3 space as a whole until I joined the space. And I think a lot of people would, might not join the space or might not read. Um, like I've seen uh, the summary of another AMA that I think Ableist have done and it's way too long. And I think like 90% or even more would, would probably not read it. So do you think that maybe somehow uh, you can communicate your vision uh, in an easier way so that more people can see it? Or maybe I have missed something and I couldn't see it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for the feedback, right? I think uh, we, we are continuing. No, a absolutely valid point. I think as, as we continue to, to refine our communications, you know, we are, you know, there's the medium page, there's the website, and, and we are continuing to building all this front-facing material. I think the spaces is one opportunity to do so. And, you know, thank you for your feedback, man. I think we will definitely um, take that back and, and see, you know, is, is, are there any more materials you kind of release to keep things simple, yet, you know, be able to communicate that broad vision with, with the people um, about what we're doing. Um, there's a Discord, you know, we, we have our meeting, uh, we have our VCs once in a while to come and share the vision, you know, they are recording our spaces. We actually have a Spotify kind of playlist uh, with a recording of some of our you know, spaces, town hall AMAs, where a bit of this is, is put out, but definitely something you know, we, we want to look at to kind of like streamline this so that you know, the vision's out in front of your face and easier to kind of um, comprehend and to digest. I see. Well, that's about all. Thank you, thank you. I feel like um, we're getting to the end of this. Uh, it's been an incredible space. Is there any last things we need to touch on, Ruthie? Um, the only last thing that we need to touch on is... Tremor, please don't need. All right. Nighthard, Alphacongs, closing words. Things you want the people here to remember. Key dates, key events, key things to look forward to. A little alpha drop, a little teasing. You know, you know. Ah, okay, okay. I, I guess that I think um, you, you've seen some of the animation, some of the trailer. Check, check out Even Origins. Check out Even World. Uh, through the social media pages, you know, you've seen some trailers there, and you know, we're, we're not going to invest in a fully three D environment or fully rigged three D characters and just launch a trailer, right? You know, there's going to be. Obviously more than that, but keep your eyes peeled for sometime next week where we will be dropping some more information on our social media pages. You know, you might see in Discord, you might see there, but keep those eyes peeled for those dates sometime next week. 
um, something is coming by your way. Beautiful. And I always like to close off on something kind of cute. Uh, Nightheart Man and Alpha Kongs, you know, through your builder's journey, what's like one quote or one experience that really transformed? It was very transformative for your career path, right? Like you took that to heart. All right, man. So I, I'm not sure if Alpha Kong's battery life is holding up, but I will go first. As he, I think, he's, no, I think, he's struggling I think he's kind of like, you know, charging and making sure that he has enough battery sure. to kind of uh, last through that, that last push. So for, for me, right, I, I've been in team sports and team kind of events uh, most, most of my life, right? You know, I, I played for kind of sports and, and when you're a team. And I think the saying which says that if you want to go um, fast, you go alone, right? Speed, right? But if you want to go far, you go together. I think the hardest thing in the world to do is to persuade people that the cause you're going for is worth their time, their effort, their attention. And one of the key ways you want to do that in building the community is so that we can trust and, and we have that interest at heart. Um, the challenge of Web3 is so close to community is that you have to be really fast. At the same time, to go far, you need the people. So, I think I, I, I keep that really close to our hearts and which is why I think I shared one of the other phrases that we take back in Avium and continues to guide us as our true north which we say for Avium, for all. And that leads our way. I love that. I it's love that. It's just incredible, isn't it? It's just absolutely beautiful. I, I love that. I see Kongs unmuted. Hey, yeah. hey Kongs, your phone's alive. Living life dangerously. But I think, um, you know, one thing I learned is that in anything that you do in life, um, luck always favors the prepare. And I think that's the approach that we take with everything that we do in APM as well. You know, we don't want to go into things unprepared. We always want to be prepared for, you know, the short term, the medium term, and long term. And, you know, in doing so, and especially in Web3, you're being prepared for the community you are executing because you want to make your community proud. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's literally what we wake up every day and think about. And um, that's why we call it enabling passion, building dreams for even for all. I love that. Yo, everyone, every sexy person that you know listen to this all the way to the end please please show support and love to Nightheart and Alpha Kongs like follow them up comment on their stuff share your ideas thoughts opinions feedback uh, show them your bullishness and yeah I really appreciate that you have given the surgeons community and the broader web3 space a time to jump on this space with us I'm definitely going to be putting this one up on the search cast 100% and we got quite a lot of viewers, man. Really happy with this one. I think, uh, you know, we all did really well to do this together, listeners, the speakers, and, you know, wish you all the best. Nightheart, Alpha Kongs. Won't be the last time we chat. We'll definitely cross paths again. I know Joni is definitely itching to hear more from you guys. Oh, I just want to add in. I, this is the best chat I've ever had personally with, a, with two founders. I mean, my journey with surgeons, I'm blown away by your guys' capacity to have deep views that are grounded in values that actually are symbiotic with the technology all the way down to practical actions and even just to quotes that are just so profound, blown away, so bullish. Uh, I just mm. love the experience. 
100%. Thanks for having us, guys. You know, really appreciate the time and the attention, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the ATTM. We will honestly have to do this one again if you guys are keen to run it back some point in the future when it's a good good time for you. I mean, this was just fantastic. Definitely, definitely. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having us. I think I think now I'll probably agree with me. This has been probably the best space that we've ever been on. Oh, I mean, being shit. able to care, being able to share so much, it's not it's not common because. You only can share that deep if the hosts are such amazing people as well. So thank you, surgeons. Thank you to, sur- to the surgeons community. And thank you both of you for hosting such an amazing space. Fantastic, uh, man. Fantastic. Beautiful. I love you all. I've got a grin going from my very left ear to my very right ear. Big smile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling. I love you all. I'll catch you all later. Thank you all so much. This will be recorded. Uh, so... Feel free to share it around. Beautiful project. Can't wait to see what happens. And the last all. thing, Ruthie, don't forget the last thing. Oh, the, what's the, the last biggest thing? Shout, out, shout out of all, and I know Avian would one hundred percent agree with this from how I spoke tonight. Oh, everyone it? here is 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 part of this, and oh, not yeah, even yeah. part of this. You're the thing that gives us all power, gives us meaning. Like this is all you guys, and we're incredibly grateful coming from the surgeon's perspective. I think I can speak for AVM in saying they're incredibly grateful. So mm-hmm. thank you for spending your time with us. And man, 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, love it. Uh, just a quick shill. Application form is dropping soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, <laughs> I love you all so much. I think uh, Mia is behind the surgeon's account, so she'll just be able to end it. All okay. right. Right. Have a great, have a great day, guys. Thank you so much for having us again. See you. Hey, cheers, man. Really, really fun. Really fun. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.